Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. episode 45 to a 10 conference finals uh yeah absolutely and <laughs> kind of like we did recently jj we haven't even recorded episode 44 yet and the reason we haven't recorded episode 44 yet is that's going to be the nec conference and we're actually recording on uh, memorial day weekend and actually the nec conference final has just finished um, that episode will come out before this anyway so once again congratulations to uh Central Connecticut State University. They were but, obviously going to win. They were first. Ah, that doesn't well. That doesn't always work out as we might find out as we do this review. We but, might be able to. <laughs> but no, as it was going, I actually did watch um, most of the final, but I haven't seen like the full review because sometimes they'll come out with cool stats, so yeah. like things that I wouldn't have known otherwise. So I always like to read the recap first before doing the reviews. Um, but this this was finished finished yesterday, so we had a chance to put our notes together for this one. So first of all. This is, um, yeah, the A-10 is the Atlantic 10 Conference, there's and as far as I can tell, there's a lot of different teams, but as far as I can tell, for bas- uh, for baseball, there's just 12 teams at play. Uh, top 7 qualified, so do you want to tell us how the regular season finished? If it's, well, why don't they just make it A-12 since there's 12 teams? I told you this, they constantly keep changing. I guess they could for something like that, um, but they constantly keep adding teams, teams leave. As you well know, Coppin State used to be part of the MEAC, and now they're part of the NEC, and um, somebody who was in the NEC tournament actually uh, left, so they're not part of that. So the numbers change. It's basically, if I was naming a conference, I wouldn't put a number in it because it's constantly changing. Mm-hmm. So you're better if you can come up with something like so the NEC a team or the left from the. So a team left from the NEC. I want to say it was Butler, but I might be wrong. Um, I'm sure I will mention it when I do the. <laughs> I don't remember that team. Well, no, because you didn't watch the NEC at that time. This was in 2022, but no, they constantly keep changing. All right, tell us about the regular season then. Who's the favorites going in? Um, the favorites are probably um St. Joseph's. Mm-hmm. They were first. 17 and seven records, 70 percent wins. That's pretty good. Yep, and then Davidson was behind them with 15 and eight. Yep. St. Louis was 15 and nine. Mm-hmm. Dayton. Um, with the 15-9 record, they tied. Now, I'm interested in this, though, because I actually know that St. Louis was fourth and yeah, Dayton was third. Fourth. So there must have been some tiebreaker, but that was the table that I saw when I looked, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure. All right, but fifth. Richmond was 14th and 9th. Now, I don't know if you remember, Richmond, that's the Spiders. That yeah. was actually the first review that was non-Coppin related. Mm-hmm. We went to Coppin State, and then we thought at that time we'd just be going seeing lots of different teams. We went to see the Richmond Spiders, and then it was like, I want to go to Coppin State. <laughs> so we started following Coppin State and even went to away games at that point last year. Okay, so we know Richmond, yep. And then George Mason, mm-hmm. 13-10. and 10. Yep. And then Rhode Island, 13-11. So it sounds like some of these games possibly didn't get made up then, because that's a different number. Like, yeah. St. Joseph's played 24 games. George Mason played 23. So, um, yeah, I can see some and people played 24 and some 23. Richmond had um, played less than Dayton and St. Louis. 
They had 14 and 9. But also so yeah. did Davidson. And now, I don't know if you know any of these. I don't know if you know any of these schools. Davidson, I know, because I used to live really close to Davidson no. when I was in North Carolina. Um, I used to live about five miles away from Davidson. Um, I think it's five miles. I used to live in Mooresville, North Carolina. Um, but they were basically on the interstate. It was just a few miles south of there. So Davidson's a lovely little town. It's kind of a small little college. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Steph Curry went to Davidson. I well, think. I, I think, think that's did. one of yeah. the big names yeah, that I recognize did. that went there. He did. Yeah. Because so I time, can remember yep, yep. from when I used to follow basketball for a little bit. And then people that didn't quite qualify then, George Washington, VCU, Fordham, UMass, and St. Bonaventure. And one of the things I saw when I was looking on this, I was like, well, clearly it's not St. Louis that we know, because that's Missouri. That's clearly not on the Atlantic uh, yeah. coast. Um, it was. St. Louis, Missouri. So I don't know how Why? St. Louis qualified for the Atlantic Conference. Um, I, that Atlantic? I don't understand. Like, the other ones make sense. Like, well, I mean, Rhode Island? on the Atlantic coast. Rhode Island, sure. No, yeah. St. Louis is... You need to check well, a map. on that side. You need to check a map. So, uh, UMass, Massachusetts makes sense as well. So the other ones kind of made sense a little bit. All right, tell us a little bit about George Mason University then. We know because it's really close to I us, know. but... George Mason University is a public research university in Fairfax County, Virginia. The, the university was originally founded in 1949 as a Northern Virginia regional branch of the University of Virginia. I did not know that. that. I didn't know that they had any connection there at all, so that was news to me for sure. Named after founding father of the United States, George Mason, in 1959. It became the independent university in 1972. The school has since grown into the largest public university in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And I didn't know that either. And actually, last year, we had a pass to um, George Mason's house, uh, Gunston Hall. Oh, yeah. And we used to go, we went several yeah, we times. Would. Yeah, some fun activities there. I know. I, I, the, my favorite part was the name, was the game part. The name game? The I don't think they did part. the name game. I'm pretty no, sure. No, it was the game. That. Oh, the game. The game day. That game day was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, I, I only remember the um thing where you had to try and get the cup in. And oh, there was the bowl in the cup? Yeah, and there was also a bowling thing. Which there I was. was. Well, I was going to say the one I remember is the... Um, oh, yeah, Mason. The hoop. Yeah, you had to <laughs> hit, hit it on the top of the stick. And Mason was I so... wasn't that good, but Mason went all the way down the driveway. Yeah, Mason was on the end of the drive. He was so good. And then I know. turned around and came back. Like, um, I don't know if they have like a world champion in like 1790 or whatever for that they event. but. Well, if there was, Mason was... Uh, Tournaments. I don't know if it was beginner's luck or something, but yeah, he had, he definitely I wasn't had the good. for this one. I wasn't good. I could barely make it <laughs> go five feet before it fell. All right. The university is classified among R1 yeah. doctoral universities. What's that? It tells you. Very high research activity. Very high research activity. Mm -hmm. Two professors awarded the Nobel Memorial Prize in Economics during their time at George Mason University. James M. Bush? Buchanan? Bush? Buchanan. Buchanan, like the president, James Buchanan. It's not that Buchanan, because it says in 1986. But... I know. In 1986. And Vernon L. Smith in 2002. Winning Nobel Prize is pretty cool, though, right? Yeah, it's the Memorial Prize. Memorial. Memorial. 
And the last line I threw in, Eagle Bank Arena has a 10,000-seat arena and concert venue operated by the university and is located on the Fairfax campus. That was relevant for me because that's 10, actually... It's big. Yeah, it's big. That's actually where I where my school does their graduation. Oh, they did last year, oh. and they're going to do it again this year. Um, I'm not sure for the year after, but um, yeah, so I kind of go to George... I've done a few courses at George Mason University as well, so I like going to George Mason. And obviously, my son's also called Mason, so I used to have um, a hoodie for them. So yeah, I, I like George Mason University for sure. Um, let's start off with the alumni then. So let's see who I've got on here. Uh, on oh, hold on, hold on. Let me have a look on this. I think I deleted it by accident. Uh, oh, hold on a second. I got your notes open, not mine. I gotta stop doing this. I did this last time as well. It's because I edit your stuff out so you don't just uh, steal all my stuff. All right, I'm going to start with uh, Jacob Lewis Kalish, who was uh, born July 9th, 1991. Is an American professional baseball pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels organization. He was picked by the Royals in the 32nd round in the 2015 Major League Draft. And in 2016, Kalish was um, an MILB.com Kansas City Organization All-Star and named the organization's best relief pitcher. He played for Team Israel at the 27 World Baseball Classic and also pitched for them in 2023 World Baseball Classic. Uh, he batted 301 in 39 games as a senior at George Mason. Pretty good if you can bat over 300. And started 13 games in which he had an ERA of 3.44. Now, we've been looking at some pitching stats. That's pretty impressive. So, obviously, a bit of an all-rounder there as well. Um, and like I said, he was picked by the Kansas City Royals. August 2017, he pitched for the Omaha Storm Chasers of the Pacific League. Uh, he made his second ever start in Triple League. Uh, sorry, he made his second ever start in Triple A against three-time Cy Young Award winner Clayton Kershaw. How intimidating would that be in your second start to be facing Clayton Kershaw? Uh, why was he in the minors? He was doing a rehab start because he was injured. So you know how they bring them in gradually and put start them lower down, then bring them up. So that was why he was there. Kalish outdueled Kershaw with eight strikeouts and two walks in seven shutout yeah. innings. So he didn't give up any runs in seven innings. That's pretty cool. Or at least I thought that was pretty cool. That's good. That's pretty good to um to beat Clayton Kershaw. Oh, absolutely. If you can do that, you should get an MVP. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he got an MVP for AAA after that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he, he can live off that story for a while. Hey, the I, day I beat Clayton Kershaw. That would be a flex for infinity. Absolutely. Until the sun blows up. Because then nobody would be around. All right, keep going. All right. On March 19th, 2022, Kalish signed a minor league contract with the Los Angeles Angels. He pitched for the class AAA Salt Lake Bees of the Pacific Coast League and was 10-2. That's pretty impressive. His his 10 wins tied for the lead, lead with the 2.2 with the 2.87 ERA. Did you say 2.2 there? Are you struggling on those digits? Oh my gosh. Alright, come on, keep talking. Seventh in the league. That's, yeah. Um, like I said, wins is not always necessarily a I know, it's statistic. the ERA. It's the um, ERA. But yeah, the ERA tells you generally how you pick. But yeah, under an ERA, like, under three Wasn't there a good. person with 10 and 10? 
Who had like a one ERA. Yeah, prayer one point something. It was like uh, Roger Clemens when he signed for the Astros. Yeah. I know. Yeah. So yeah, wins is not always that because it depends how much offense you got to back you up. I know. As Harvey Haddix would tell you as well. Exactly. Twelve perfect innings I know. and he took the loss. So yeah. Because the Pirates couldn't hit anything. <laughs> the Pirates that team. Because the they couldn't Pirates hit. Were not that good. Well, that team wasn't anyway. Was well, he? Uh, how many hits did the Pirates get? Um, in that game, I don't know. I don't remember that side of it. I just know that um, he pitched a lot get, of perfect innings. Yeah, twelve perfect innings. Yep. All right. Um, Hamish signed, pitched for Team Israel in the twenty twenty three base World Baseball Classic. He played for Team Israel manager and former All Star. Ian Kinsler, mm-hmm. alongside all-star outfielder Jock Peterson. That's pretty good to be playing on his team. Yeah. And pitcher Dean Kramer. Oh, yeah. I figured you'd recognize oh, the name Dean Kramer, which is why I left it in there. Among others. Yeah. Now, I'm wondering, actually, I'm not sure, was it still him playing in the 2017 um, or 2018 World Baseball Classic? That was the one that Mason when I went to see. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Britain, Israel, Brazil, and uh, Pakistan, I want to say, in the qualifying group, and Israel won. So he, we might have actually seen him pitch and not even realized it at the time. I want to watch... World <laughs> now, classic. we have one of our listeners to JGB who's not really a baseball fan at all, but he always listens in, so I put this one in just for him. Matt, this one's just for you. I think it's Cow, I think is how you pronounce that last name. K-A-O. Alex Cow may have been best known for his role as Archie Johnson in the hit television series CSI. Mason watched that. Mason probably watched that, yeah. I know. Crime scene investigation, as well as the role of Kai, he... Chen, the Blue Ranger, and Power Rangers Lost Galaxy. Doesn't mean anything to me, but Matt is a big Power Rangers fan, so I, I include it. Normally, Rangers. I'm looking for it's sports Power things. Rangers. I'm normally looking for the... That's what he says. I'm oh, normally looking for sports things, but I threw that one in for him. All right, quickly, let's get back to baseball right. again. Tyler Zombro attended Robert E. Lee High School in Staun- Staunton. St- Staunton, Virginia. I recognize that. Yeah, it's over on, it's like an hour west of us, I think. All right. Graduating in 2013, he played for the school's baseball team and had a 505 batting average <laughs> before attended, before attending George Mason University in his senior year. Zombro had a 6-2 and record with a 2.78 ERA with 15 starts and 5 saves for his four-year career at George Mason. Yeah. Hold on, there's a period in there. Okay, so in high school, um, 505 batting is obviously pretty impressive. Pretty good. And uh, 15 starts and got five seats. 2.78 area is pretty good as well. All right, now tell us about his George his George Mason career. For his four-year career at George Mason, he had a 3.28 ERA with 226 strikeouts and 318 and one-third innings pitched. Zombro was not selected in the 2017 Major League Draft. Two weeks later, he signed with the Tampa Bay Rays as an undrafted free agent. Now, I'm going to continue the story because I don't recognize this player at all. Uh, but there was something really significant happened to him fairly recently. So during Durham's game on June 3rd, 2021, this is now he's playing in the minor leagues. At Durham's Bulls Athletic Park, Zombro was pitching against Brett Cumberland of the Norfolk Tides. That's your Orioles AAA affiliate. He threw a 91 mile an hour sinking fastball, which Cumberland hit. 
The line drive hit Zombro in the head above his right ear at 104 miles an hour. Zombro immediately lost consciousness and fell face first onto the pitcher's mound as he was having a seizure. Zombro was taken off the field on a stretcher and brought to Duke University Hospital for surgery to repair a skull fracture during a two and a half hour operation. The game was suspended and later declared final. So yeah, they couldn't continue. And can you imagine the players having to continue with that when you've got a player who's in that side? Of... Anyway, so they, they called it final. Who won? I, who cares? That was not, I didn't look it up because that is not important in the story when you've got a player who's seriously injured like that. Zombro spent four days in the intensive care unit um, and he has no memory of the incident at all. Uh, a CT scan performed in December 2021 showed that the fracture had completely healed, clearing Zombro to return to baseball as he appeared in the spring training game against the Boston Red Sox in March 2022. He retired because both. The Red Sox got destroyed. <laughs> he retired both batters he faced. Uh, Zombro was released by the Rays though in March 2023, and on May 2023, Zombo, Zombro signed a minor league contract with the Texas organization and is currently pitching for the Triple A Round Rock Express. So. Wow, what a terrible story, but glad to see he's back in pitching. And um, keep an eye out for him. Texas is pitching really... Texas is playing really well right now. I think they have a better record than the O's right now. I think they overtook O's for the second best record at the time of recording. So, uh, yeah, pretty brutal. Alex Dios can still make it to the playoffs. Uh, so can Texas. <laughs> I know. All I'm right. just saying that they can. All right, so first of all, before we do the 2023 tournament, tell us about the 2022 tournament. Tell us some of those uh, results that came through. I see George Mason right at the top. Um, Number five, George Mason def defeated. Number four, Rhode Island, 7-3. Game two, number six, St. Joseph's defeat. Number three, St. Louis, two to one. So, num um, obviously, St. Joseph's said is a lot better this year. Yeah. Because you just said they were number one, and on this one, they were number six. So, they've obviously done much better this yeah. year. Yeah. They could have got some better players. And I'm just seeing on the next one, the next team, they didn't even qualify. <laughs> number two, VCU defeated number seven, Richmond, four to three. Okay. So, that was Tuesday, May 24th. Mm -hmm. All right. Wednesday, May 25th. Game four, number one, Davidson. Defeated number five George Mason six to two. Number two VCU defeat Saint number six Saint Joseph's eight to four. Number seven Richmond defeated number four Rhode Island four to four to one. Now what I should explain is because particularly if we got people in England who are listening who might not understand. Cup tournaments in England for things like soccer, the FA Cup, basically you lose, you're out. The next, if you win, you advance, and it keeps going down, like 64, 32, 16, 8. So when we have in baseball tournaments like this, it's like teams two. can easily lose one game. So you're actually, it's called double elimination. So if you lose one game, you're okay. But once you lose two games, you're yeah. out. So they normally pair it up like loser versus loser, winner versus winner. So loser versus loser, that's an elimination match, because by that point, you'll have had two losses, and so on. So if you're hearing a team that's lost more than once, that's the reason why. All right, Thursday, May 26th. Um, number three, St. Louis defeated number six, St. Joseph's, 10 to 6. Number seven, Richmond defeated number five, George Mason, 7 to 3. They got it. Ah, that was George Mason's second loss, unfortunately. Um, I got the semifinals. Friday, May 27th, number seven, Richmond defeated St. Louis, 16 to 4. Uh, v number two, VCU defeated Davidson, 14 to 6. And then Richmond defeated number one, Davidson, 12 to 9. And in the final, it was an all-Richmond affair. Uh, number two, VCU, defeated number seven, Richmond, 10 to 7. So the 2023 version of this is actually held at VCU Stadium, the Diamond, yeah. which where the Richmond...
from Flying Squirrels play. Um, this tournament was actually played at the campus of uh, Davidson um, on uh, Wilson's Field, which I have to admit I hadn't heard of. Now, I did like one of the things on here that I saw. Um, it says, admission to the 2022 A-10 Baseball Championship is free. Join us in the stands or bring a chair and sit in the grass down the left field line. So, I'm you can, you, I know you like to see the game from different parts of the field. I will. You would have loved taking in a chair and kind of moving it along the field. and you should uh, have. Checking everything. I didn't, <laughs> Davidson, North Carolina would have been like four, uh, probably five hours away. It would have been a bit of a long way to go. Now, the 2023, before we get to the tournament, JJ, I was looking at stadiums. We talked about last year, actually, we know that VC you has uh, one of the biggest stadiums in the well, whole yeah, of college baseball. Well, yeah, because it's um, a minor it's, league They use stadium. it for other things as well. Correct. It's a minor league stadium. It is. So they, it's, ten, it's like nearly 10,000. But I did see it listed when I was looking up the um, the A-10 conference. It shows you the teams. It shows you the size of their basketball arenas and then the size of their baseball arenas. Um, any comments you want to make at all? Um, St. Louis has a slightly bigger basketball arena than um, George Mason. It does, yeah. Well, just Dayton over 10, has 000. an even bigger one. What's Dayton's? Um, thirteen thousand. Yeah. So often for basketball, you will have ten thousand uh, capacity. It's a lot more common because they can also hold concerts there as well. So you need a lot more seats for things like that. But baseball fields, it's outside, so it kind of gets used for baseball, and that's it. So there's a reason why that's there. Um, some of the baseball, um, some of the teams here are only listed uh, once. So you asked me how many people are in the A10. Like, I'm seeing here LaSalle is mentioned for basketball, and so is Loyola uh, Chicago as well. But they don't play baseball, and neither does, I don't know how you say that one, Duquesne? I think that's how they you say They have Duquesne. the least um, capacity on their basketball. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if you realize, uh, Duke only has a really small capacity for their baseball, uh, basketball stadium as well. I, thought I they don't were... know what it is. I, I know it's a famous team. I thought they had a big basketball team. They have a very big basketball team, but they have a very small uh, basketball arena. Why? Um, I'm looking right now, as I'm talking, to see if I can quickly Google what their capacity is. Oh, it's not as small as I thought it was. It's 9,000. Okay. Um, that's not as small that's as I thought it about, was. Actually. That's about... The size of the George Mason arena. Compared to some of the other teams, though, like UNC is 21,750. So it's, I wonder what the biggest college basketball arena is. Uh, <laughs> trust you to ask that one. Uh, I don't know the answer to that one. I'm trying to think if there's an, if there's a, an obvious answer. Um, does it list the largest ones? Largest college basketball arenas. Oh, you got lucky. Uh, Syracuse, 35,000. Uh, the Carrier Dome. And in Louisville... Um, twenty-two thousand. Oh gosh, second, second is twenty-two thousand, and number one is thirty-five thousand. Oh, actually, UNC's third, oh, twenty-one thousand seven hundred fifty. Oh my gosh, that one in Syracuse is huge. I know they like the college basketball, but I didn't know that that one was anywhere near as big as that. You were very lucky. I could Google that as quickly as I managed to. And the thing that was interesting I'm to me, you might be the biggest um college baseball. Season. We already talked about it. No, it's not. It's like fifth or sixth. But I can't remember. How's the there bigger one? Because I'm, I'm guessing it was Texas, but I don't remember. I'm not googling that one. All right. Now, when I looked at the other ones, though, Davidson. Yeah, you have research. Davidson's capacity was only 700. That's where the tournament was I last know. year. Uh, Dayton 500, Fordham 500, George Mason 900, Washington 1000, Rhode Island 1000, Richmond 600. We went to Richmond, of course. St. Joseph's 400, St. Louis 500, and then VCU 9560. It's more it's than about, all the other ones combined. It's about uh, the um size of. George Mason's. 
uh, basketball. basketball yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Actually, not surprisingly, there was a lot of empty seats. I think this. that it's closer to um, Massachusetts basketball arena. Uh huh. Now, if you want me to look up then which the biggest um, biggest ones were, then what you're going to need to do is you're going to have to start from. So this tournament started in Tuesday. Like I know you were like, hey, can we go to the things like this? Like when we went to the uh, Miac tournament, it started on a Thursday, so we took Thursday Friday off because I'm allowed to take two days off. This started on a Tuesday, so like, yeah, there's no way I could have made all these ones. Hopefully, when I finally get to retire, I'll be able to go every day to things like this and thoroughly enjoy I'm it. I'm gonna but... do that, <laughs> but not right now. I can't. So. All right, go ahead. Tell us what happened on Tuesday, then. Tell us those initial games. Um, number four, St. Louis defeated number five, Richmond. Number two, Davidson defeated number seven, Rhode Island. Well, that's pretty obvious. Then It's number two versus number seven. Uh-huh, that's the way it's supposed to work. But not in the March Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, number six, George Mason defeated number three, Dayton. Okay. Five to four. Alright, it says on here then, and I think this is where they have the uh, College World Series, I think. Uh, it's TD Ameritrade Park and Swayze Field has a capacity of 24,000 people. It's a lot. And um, I'm sorry, I thought it listed them somewhere here. Um, there's one here as well. Uh, Duty Noble Field at Polk Dement Stadium in Mississippi uh, has 15,000. That's mm -hmm. Mississippi State University. Uh, Reckling Park, Houston, Texas has Wait, a Dad, capacity of 7,000. What's the biggest on-campus one? Oh, that... Like, those could probably be like... Um, minor league. You're trying to kill my Google right now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, no. That was obviously another one I thought then. Uh, Charles Schwab Field, Omaha, Nebraska. Um, it says the seating capacity is expandable to 35,000. So that would be possibly the biggest one then. But that one earlier obviously wasn't who I thought it was then. So um, I don't know. I'm seeing um, the stadium at Baton Rouge, Louisiana mentioned here, which is 10,300. So obviously that's pretty close. Um, oh, hold on. This is... Um, Virginia Tech. Uh, the stadium has a capacity of 1,033. Well, that's not very... How is that one of the biggest ones? That doesn't even make sense. Alright, I don't know. This might not be a, a great list. Um, yeah, where is VCU on this list, then? I don't it's see VCU. VCU is not on that list. All right. Well, you asked me to Google quickly, and of course, you don't always get the best things. Top high school fields. Oh, this is interesting. Germantown is... High School. I think Germantown's in Maryland. I think that's right next to us. What? Uh, oh, different Germantown. Never mind. Madison, Mississippi. Uh, Viking Field. Oh, Purcellville, Virginia. That was where we played disc golf one time when we, we went across to Waynesboro. Uh, what else have we got in here? McManus Field at Crispino Stadium, Baltimore, Maryland. Ah. It says, this says to... popular high school baseball fields. It doesn't say biggest or anything. I want to so. go to Rio Rancho High School Field in Rio Rancho, <laughs> New, New Mexico. Mexico. Oh, that'll be close. Why don't you just pick up this one, Olympic Stadium in Hokkaien, Washington. Okay, if you're going to pick ones that are ridiculously far away. All right. Um, did you... Oh, I think I missed my line because you were reading that part out. So hold on a second. Um, you read out the last one. Now, obviously, George Mason is kind of our team for this one then, right? Yeah. So uh, game three, the review from the A10 website said, Mason took the lead in the 11th inning on an RBI single by Evan Blanchard. Now, Evan Blanchard, I remember that name specifically now because that's actually one of the players who played in the... Colgan. Yeah, for Colgan High School, and I actually teach in that same district. And I saw a Colgan game last year, so it's very possible I actually saw Evan Blanchard without realizing it. And I saw that they have a pitcher, who's also a freshman from Colgan as well, um, that scored Brett Stallings. 
Um, the third batter of the inning earned a two-out walk after a pair of leadoff strikeouts, and Nolan Lamary proceeded to end a bases-loaded, no-outs Dayton threat with a strikeout, an infield fly, and a game-ending swinging strikeout, securing his first save of the year. So George Mason got kind of lucky on this one, JJ. Bases-loaded, no-outs in the 11, um, but they somehow managed sweaty. to... Uh, uh, yeah, they just managed to get through it. Um, I think you should tell us about the George Mason pitches because I think you're going to recognize that name. Because I was watching some of the highlights oh, from the website and some names kind of sprung up to me a little bit. Chad Gartland. Uh-huh. Eight innings. Yep. Nine hits, four runs, three earned runs, one base on balls, seven strikeouts, two HBPs. Uh-oh. 31 at bats. You don't have to read every single one. 35 BFs. Hey, that's good. That's good. 11 FO. (laughs) 5 GO. Okay, what's FO? Huh? What's FO? You're reading them out. You've got to tell me. Oh, you do know. Um, GO? All right, you can't read that one out then because you don't know what it is. um, Ground outs. 120. Pitches. Number pitches. Uh huh. All right, that'll do, that'll do. But three earned runs in eight innings, that's pretty good. Uh, seven strikeouts is obviously good as well. And just one base on ball tells you he was in control. I know there was two hit pitches as well. Uh, but yeah, 120 pitches. That's a pretty big load right there. Uh, Mark Manfredi was the starter for Dayton. 7.1 innings, two earned runs, and 104 pitches. That's not exactly bad either. Two earned runs in seven innings, but sometimes that's not quite enough. All right, um... Now, originally, I wasn't going to get you to tell us about Game 4, but I think you can tell us about Game 4. Right. Just read 4 through 6. St. Louis defeated number 1 St. Joseph's 23 to 8. Uh, it's number 4 uh, in number 1. Uh-huh. You wouldn't expect that, would you? Number 6, George Mason defeated number 2 Davidson 15 to 11. Mm-hmm. Um... In number six, Richmond defeated number seven, Rhode Island, 13 to three. All right, let me tell you a little bit about some of those then. So game four, the 23 runs ranks as the second most in any round of the A-10 championships. The record sits at 25 runs, which was scored by Rutgers against West Virginia in 1981. Additionally, St. Louis's 23 runs serves as the fifth time in league history a team has made more than 20 runs in a double elimination tournament. But it's the first time since 1999. And St. Louis's Tyler Fogarty uh, went 5 for 5 in that match. So that's uh, pretty impressive stuff as well. Oh, I, and I, I remember. think, here we go. I got Davidson versus George Mason. So do you want to tell us who was uh, pitching uh, in that one? Um... Do you want me to read it instead? Uh, I don't know anybody. <laughs> How about Ben Sheets? Ben Shields, the George Mason pitcher. Six innings pitched, just two earned runs, seven strikeouts, two 99 runs. pitches. And uh, the losing pitching was uh, Ryan, I think it's Fexco, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, four innings, 13 hits, Ooh. Uh, seven earned runs. So, uh, yeah, it kind of got away from him a little bit. And uh, on that performance from that as well, uh, South Trimble went uh, <laughs> four for six. He kind of came a little favorite of ours. And uh, Reese Woody, four for six as well. Oh, yeah, there's also a, a, um, an American politician that was born in 1864 um, and died in eight, 1946 mm-hmm. um, named South Trimble. Yeah, it's kind of an unusual name. Uh, I know. Because I thought it was where he was from but to it begin happened with. twice. Yeah. Um. 
I did ask crazy. if they were connected, but I don't think you could find that out. Like, is it... Sometimes it could I didn't look it up. Oh, okay. Uh, Connor Dykstra also went three for three oh, on the day as well. And I did wonder if that was... He's my favorite player because he's the catcher. <laughs> we were sat... Uh, well, I guess we'll talk about that one a little bit later. Um, I did wonder if his dad was also, um, I think, Lenny Dykstra. Uh, but I couldn't find out the answer to that one, um, unfortunately. And, um... Just look up if Lenny Dykstra has any um, children. Um, ben Shields had a no-hitter through five innings. And uh, for Davidson, the A-10 player of the year, Ryan Wilson, composed a two-hit day and extended his on-base streak to 53 games. Holy cow. Um, that's sort of stuff that I couldn't possibly have known, which is why looking on that A-10 website was really good. And in game six that you mentioned, uh, Johnny Hipsman went five for five at the plate for, for Richmond. So obviously that's pretty impressive as well. All right, moving on to Thursday then. Um, Number... Number three, Dayton. Yep. Defeated number two, Davidson, fifteen to four. Number one, St. Joseph defeated number five, Richmond, four to zero. Number three, Dayton defeated number one, St. Joseph's, um, fifteen to ten. Pretty sure that's St. Joseph's second loss. I think the number yeah, one seeds are out. Uh, in game seven, Will Hoyt went four for four, and there were two six run innings. So fifteen to four. Once you get six in and running, that that one of those would have been enough to take out Davidson. Uh, in game eight, St. Joseph's starter DeSanto went seven innings without allowing a run on three hits. Uh, he gave up three walks and five strikeouts in the win. And Travis Warinka hit a three-run homer in the fourth, which was more than enough for the win. And in game nine, when Dayton took out St. Joseph's, Marcus Pujols had two home runs for Dayton. Marcus Pujols. Yep. After being 3-0 down, um, they took a 13-3 lead. So, yeah, they had 13 unanswered runs, uh, which was more than enough. And that game in particular, JJ, a um, lot, lot of runs, obviously. 16 hits for Dayton and 18 hits for St. Joseph's. So, um, a lot of hits going on in that game. And um, I don't think, when I was looking on these ones, they don't announce the attendance, unfortunately. They tell you the um, the time of the game and the start time of the game. Uh, but yeah, I couldn't find out anything about how long the actual game was, unfortunately. Um, I think that's all of Thursday. Was that three games for Thursday? Yeah. Yep. And then it starts to go down. I think it's normally two games. So, Friday, um, game 10. Number 6, George Mason versus number... For St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Is this the final? So this is... No, this First is... First game of the final? No, this is uh, the undefeated teams facing each other at okay. this point. So neither... George Mason hasn't taken a loss at this point. St. Louis hasn't taken a loss at this point. Which, for a number six seed, remember only seven teams qualified, and a number four seed, that's pretty impressive. So do you want to count us through the scores like you normally do? I see St. Louis took the lead in the first. In the first inning, St. Louis scored one. In the fourth, they scored three. Mm -hmm. In the fifth, George Mason scored five. Mm -hmm. In the seventh, St. Louis scored two, five to six. St. Louis. That was the final score. Yeah, we don't close like that one. score. No, I don't like that score either. Uh, St. Louis out hit George Mason eight to seven, um, and there was one error from each team. Uh, starting pitcher for George Mason was Connor Eaton, who gave up four earned runs in four innings. Uh, Christian Miracca, I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, two innings and no earned runs. Um, and St. Louis's pitcher was uh, Chaffin, who went four innings, also gave up four runs. Pretty close on the starters. Uh, and then Weber came, Weber came in, 4.1 innings, just one earned run, and he took the win. And the loss Wait, for George... But the other person pitched the exact same amount of innings. Mm -hmm. And he was a starter. 
It's like shit. Yeah, they, but, yeah, the starting pictures had pretty much identical lines, to be honest. Uh, the loss went to uh, Nolan, I think that's Lemaire. Uh, two innings and uh, no earned runs, and he took the loss. JJ, ouch! He didn't give up any earned runs, and he took the loss. That's pretty. That's where the error came in, unfortunately. Um, that's just the way it goes. Uh, let's have a look on the George Mason. See how they did. Uh, South Trimble just went one for four in this one. Uh, Reese Woody went two for four. I know they're kind of a couple of our favourite players now. And um, yeah, I think that was the most significant thing. Uh, led by Hayden Moore's three hits. One run and one RBI, and two hits and two runs by Cole Smith. The Billikens, that's the St. Louis nickname, uh, reclaimed a, a lost lead in the seventh, taking advantage of a throwing error following a fielder's choice by Smith that allowed Redding to score from first. Oh my gosh, from first? Uh, Cameron Swanger sacrifice fly two batters later, plated Smith for the eventual game-winning run. Now, one of the weird things on this, I know you don't have that. I don't, oh, actually, you do have the names for this one. Look on the left, and then look on the right. I don't know why they did this, um, but George Mason, it lists their full names, but on the St. Louis, it just lists their last name and initial. So, like, oh. the top of the George Mason lineup says Yay. South Trimble, um, but St. Louis, it just says Moore H. Now, yeah. I know it's Aiden Moore, because um, I read it in the article, but if I was to pick a random person in there, I might not know oh, who yeah, it I is. I remember Aiden Moore. Like, the catcher says Preston K. I have no idea who K is. Could be anybody. Whereas if I'm looking on the other side, if I want to know the catcher, oh, Connor Dykstra. So I can see. I don't know why they did that. That that seemed really. Uh... Connor Dykstra's my favorite player. Really, <laughs> really strange to me. Because he's a catcher. Oh, uh, you like the catchers? Yeah. Okay. And so once both teams, once we knew, so St. Louis winning that puts them in the finals for Saturday, and now there's two teams that have one loss. The two teams being George Mason, because they've just lost, and uh, Dayton. So this was the final game on Friday. So go ahead, uh, tell us about this one. Oh, actually, before I get to that, let me give you a fact. The Flyers scored 34 runs in the tournament going into this game, uh, including back-to-back -back games with 15 runs. And the Flyers had a tournament-high 40 hits across those three games. Um, that's not good for George Mason, but tell us how it went. Oh. Uh -oh. In the third inning, George Mason scored one. In the seventh, George Mason scored two. In the eighth, Dayton scored two. And that's Three it. Three to two. Three to two. Eight hits for both teams. One error from Dayton. I want to um, see the attendance, but they still don't put does, it in. No, it doesn't tell you. It doesn't tell Actually, you. Actually, it might be hard to count. Actually, why don't they just count it up um, from people going in? Well, they know how many tickets they sold. So they could have done it from there. Uh, South Tremble went uh, one for two in this one. Um, he must have walked. Yeah, he walked one. And he must. He might have got hit by a pitch. Because it only says two at bats. So it's it's Carlos Castillo. Carlos Castillo? Are you looking on the and other side? And there's also Marcus Castillo. There is a Marcus Castillo as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, who's on the y'alls. Mm -hmm. And it uh, looks like Jordan Smith had the most number of hits for George Mason. He had two hits and four at bats. And actually for Dayton, uh, Mason uh, Doby. Actually had three hits. He went three for five in that game. Uh, starting pitches for George Mason. Kyle Smith took the win. 7.1 innings. Uh, just two earned runs. And um, yeah, so that actually sends George Mason through to the final. Uh, Saturday's championship will be a rematch of the 2018 title match, which St. Louis won 5-0. to zero. Mason is the lowest seeded team to reach the final since Davidson, also a six seed who won it in 2017. As the team coming from the consolation bracket, George Mason must win twice to earn the championship title and the NCAA regional automatic bid. So, yeah, at this point, George Mason has that loss against St. Louis, but now they face St. Louis in the final. So, St. Louis just needs one win. George Mason needs two. 
And I think we're going to leave it at that point for this episode, JJ. We decided that we would go to the go and see the finals, so we'll talk about that on uh, that episode 46. So um, I think that'll be more than enough at this point. Now, I think that we want to do... I think you still want to do the name game, though, right? I do. I'm guessing. Uh, yes. That's what I, I have figured. all of my stuff ready. I thought I had some written down. I heard that we were going and... to do six this time. Um, well, we're going to do three, and then we're ready to record the next episode, because we've already seen the final. Are we going to record so it? Um, we we right already after. know about those. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I can't find my people right now, so I got a bit of a problem. Um, I guess it's just you giving me three people, <laughs> then, or I just got to <laughs> Google some in between. All right. So. Um, F, Valenzuela, A. Uh-huh. F, Valenzuela, A. Um, Alright, is this a current player? This is an older player? Yeah. Well, there is a player whose name is Valenzuela, but that's his last name, so it's obviously not him then. Uh, I don't think so. Um, is it a trick one? If Am I looking for F and A? Am I going to figure it out? It is an F and an A one? Oh, it's not? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Well, I'll trust you to pick that one then. Um, uh, I, I, can you give me a clue? Um, he, he threw screwball off him. He threw he a, like a screwball picture. A screwball picture. And the last name is A. Um, I can't think of any screwball pictures, I'm going to be honest. If you just tell him like the regular name that we know him by. <sighs> I don't know. I think you're going to have to help me. Um, Fernando Valenzuela and... So it is, it is Valenzuela then. Okay, that's what I said. It's the Dodgers picture. It's the Dodgers picture. Now, I tried Googling one while I was talking to you, and of course, I picked somebody who doesn't have a middle name. Uh, it would have... Sandy Koufax? <laughs> he doesn't have a middle name. His, his first name is actually Sanford. I didn't know that. Sanford Koufax. That sounds that's like a, that sounds more like a Sunday name. Sanford Koufax, get down here and tidy up your mess. Uh, I don't know. All right, go on. Give me a second one, then. Um, I've got to try and think of another name while e you're... E. Stewart P. E. Stewart P. So, E and P. Once again, though, you probably did trick ones for me to mess me up, so it's probably not that. So, somebody whose last name begins with uh, P. Um, jeez, uh, this is... Oh, hold on. You said you asked if you could do different sports as well. So, is this actually a baseball person? Let me... Okay, yeah. I want to check. I don't want to think of that. Maybe. I asked that after I do, did four. Oh, uh, okay. Like, I don't want to start doing that. Then you go, bad luck, it's... And then, say, Clinton Portis or something, like a football player. He was the first name that came into my head with a P. Uh, I can't think of a single baseball person whose last oh name begins with P God. right now. Um, I need a clue. He played for the... Oakland Athletics, the Terriers, and the Browns. The te well, the Browns is a really old team, then. I know. So, and you said it's not really an E as well, so it's a trick. It is an E. Oh, his initials really are E and P? Yeah. Is this anyone I've actually heard of? Or is this yes! From... Okay. I can't believe you Okay, gone. hold on. So, it played for the A's. Oh, it's, um, okay. I was thinking of the Oakland days, but once I realized it was the Browns, then that's such an old team. All right, that's Eddie Plank, then. Yeah. What was his middle name? Stewart. Stewart. Oh, okay. All right, I didn't know that one. Um, I was so busy trying to work that one out, I didn't actually uh, think of one. Um, I think, I think your brother, yeah, I can't do that one, because your brother gave you that one earlier. All right, go on, give me your last one. Um, L. Nolan R. Jr. Well, that's Nolan Ryan. <laughs> that's obviously Nolan Ryan. It's not? 
Okay, tell me again. Lynn. Nolan. Ryan. Okay, so it's Nolan Ryan then. Okay. He just so his middle name is actually not Nolan then. His middle huh. name is Nolan. His first name. No, sorry, is his first name's not Nolan yeah. then. Okay. Um he was his he had the longest MLB career with twenty seven seasons. Yeah, he pitched for a long um, time. And he was born the day that um the year that Jackie Robinson debuted. Nineteen forty seven. Oh, okay. In the majors, sure. Yeah. All right, I got one for you then. Uh, L. Wayne J. Is this like a trick? Uh, yes, definitely. Is it the first or last name? The last name definitely begins with J. It's not a current player either. It's somebody who played in the 2000s. But it's definitely somebody you know because we talked about it earlier. <laughs> That's why I know it's fair to ask you about this. I wouldn't pick somebody totally unreasonable. Uh, he played for the Braves. And his first name is really a nickname rather than a real name. I don't know. Uh, it is Larry Wayne Jones, who of course is more commonly known Chipper. as Chipper Jones. Uh, while you were thinking, it gave me time to look up another one, but I think you're going to get this one, unfortunately. Darn it. Much like I got Nolan Do Ryan, it. I'll give it to you. Boyce Cedric M. Cedric Mullen. <laughs> His middle name is obviously Cedric I heard as well. Cedric. Yeah. That's why it had to be Cedric Mullins. Uh, Boyce Cedric Mullins the second. Uh, Who's the first one? Oh, he's from uh, his father. Oh. Uh, he's from Greensboro, North Carolina. I didn't know that. There's South Carolina too that you didn't know about. That was. I know about South Carolina. That wait, wasn't Greensboro. Wait, you didn't know about North Carolina. The one in North Carolina. That wasn't Greensboro. That's a, no, it was not. Because I know what you're talking about. You're talking about where Shoeless Joe was buried. And no. that was not Greensboro. No. That was, was not. That was the one that I went to. One time I went to the wrong one. Because I didn't know there was more than one. Um, Alright, let me look up Greensboro, South Carolina then. Let's see if anything comes up. Uh, nope, there is no Greensboro, South Carolina, so that was I, not the one I mixed up. Should have been. <laughs> I can't remember. Like green. I can't remember what it was called. Uh, let me look up. Uh, where, oh, Greenville. Oh. That was what it was. Yeah, I can remember. I was, what it was thinking of something that would make sense with green. But I knew that there was a Greenville, North Carolina, but it wasn't. It was Greenville, South Carolina. So yeah. yeah. All right. I think that's the end of this episode, JJ. We can't really do Orioles and Red Sox review because this is not coming out for probably. Two weeks, three weeks. Alrighty. So I guess you better play your outro music. Alright, I will.